Hello, I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a show about conversation, community, and the people that bring community to life. Today's interview was recorded by telephone. Please excuse the sound quality and enjoy the show. My guest today is Chanel Elaine. Chanel Elaine is a social impact producer working in community with filmmakers, activists, and philanthropists in advancing the global initiative of equality for girls and women everywhere. Founder of Creative Bionics, Elaine's first feature, First Match, is a Netflix original and winner of the South by Southwest Audience and Lunar Game Changer Awards. Creative Bionics has produced videos for the Novo Foundation, the Women's March on Washington, President Obama's Tribal Nations and Generation Indigenous Youth Conferences, plus many other organizations committed to equality and diversity. Commercial and branded content includes work for MTV, Univision, the Avocado Board of Mexico, Ubisoft, L'Oreal, and numerous fashion designers over six seasons working within New York's Fashion Week. Elaine has been a fellow with the Sundance, San Francisco Film Society, Independent Filmmaker Project, and Film Independent Institutions. She was a Dean's Fellow at Columbia University, where she received her MFA. Chanel Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Stuart. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. So you describe yourself as a social impact producer. Could you tell me more about what that means? Yes, as a social impact producer, what my focus and mission is about bringing um, social justice to um, the big screen and the small screen, Um, that small screen being as small as a uh, phone. And what I am uh, looking to do within my work is support um, young women of color, um, people of color, and our allies, um, which, you know, goes across the, the diaspora as well as um, anyone who believes in equal rights for all people. Um, and so everyone who believes in that is welcome. We're looking to do work that has an impact on culture, has an impact on policy, and um has an underlying um, effort of transformation um, within the political, social, and cultural structures that we are within at this time. Is there a tension at all between trying to produce a creative work, something that has artistic merit that speaks to the human condition, while at the same time having an agenda? And I don't mean agenda in a bad way, but I I mean the agenda is to create social transformation for the good. And I wonder if there's a tension between those two goals. That's a good question. And I would say, honestly, that I feel like the biggest tension, if you will, within uh, those two areas of filmmaking is the ability to finance. Uh, work that is giving voice to um, filmmakers who are not often readily recognized as um, valid within the um, kind of filmmaking community. Um, I think that that's changing a lot, uh, but there's definitely still a long way to go. Um, 
there's kind of a foundational historic um, uh, place where that struggle and that tension has has been something to continuously overcome um, for a lot of different filmmakers who don't kind of follow um, a, a, a certain kind of um, political, cultural, socioeconomic um, definition. So if I paraphrase that and forgive this inevitable, blunt, uh, and unnuanced summation of that, but in some ways what you're describing seems to me the kinds of media production that no one else is interested in funding because there's not a lot of money in it. And if that's an accurate and blunt statement, how do you actually go about getting these uh, these films for the small and big screen? How do you actually go about getting them produced? I don't know if that summation is quite accurate because, one, it's not that nobody's interested in. I think that there's a certain... Um, there has been a way in which um, Hollywood, if you would, recognized successful films. And that quote-unquote success has been redefined. And so it's not that those films didn't make money. It was that those films were regarded as not making money by the people who were defining it and those people not being uh, diverse uh, in order to see the value of voices that didn't look like them. I really like that pushback, and now I want to take my ignorance to the other end of that spectrum in that case, which is, do you feel as if we are living now in a cultural moment when films that do speak to underlying social issues are actually increasingly more popular, both from an artistic and creative point of view, but also from a commercial point of view? We can say that what we're experiencing right now is more opportunity for uh, women, that there's more opportunity for women of color, that there's more opportunity for people of color. We are being able to have a bigger audience, and that audience is resonating uh, within the communities and the, and the culture at large to say, this work is valuable, and I want to put not only my uh, money behind this work, whether it's producing the work or showing up uh, at a movie theater or as a platform to talk about other uh, social issues that, that it can be addressing um, either on a, a, a fiction uh, platform or a nonfiction platform. The taste of madness that your lips placed on mine has turned to sadness in such a little time now. I wonder if you would talk a little bit about First Match 
and perhaps just tell us a little bit about the story and the narrative, and then maybe we can use that film as a way to explore some of these issues about social justice and, and fairness and equality, and also just the, the craft of getting creative media developed and produced. So, so would you tell us a little bit about the story itself? Elevator pitch, I, would, I guess, is that uh, First Match is about a young teenage girl who joins the all-boys wrestling team as a way to get closer to her father. And it is a film uh, that has a uh, female protagonist defying the strict um, kind of gender role. Uh, and it also kind of allows uh, the audience and my character to find um, that you can find family in, a, in unexpected places. Um, we... Uh, shot this film in, in, in New York after doing a, a lot of in, extensive research around the uh, girls' wrestling community in New York State. I love the, um, the idea that you just, you just left us hanging there with, which is the girls' wrestling community in New York State. And um, so tell us more about that kind of extensive research in, into that particular endeavor. The film was born from a short film that uh, myself and uh, my producing partner uh, helped produce, uh, writer-director Olivia Newman. I think one of the things that's my favorite about this film is the research that Olivia um, endeavored on to kind of get to the stories that existed within the wrestling community uh, in New York. Uh, and she didn't do that alone. We worked a lot with um, a community-based organization in, in New York called Beat the Streets. Um, and by going to um, their uh, practices, the wrestling practices, uh, she got to know several of the, the girls to know their stories and started to understand uh, how wrestling was not only just the sport that they were involved in, but the way in which they had created a family within that and also the ways in which they kind of defied how oftentimes boys and girls are uh, relegated into how they are going to relate to each other. Are there any particular themes in in this film that were um, important to you to advance using this this format of cinematic storytelling to to get across to a, a larger audience? You know, one I think it's really about you know where you're finding family and where where it is that you um, are looking for love, and that sometimes culturally you know we're kind of Defined to find love in, a, in one kind of way that it, you know it's the family that surrounds us. Uh, which we're not saying that there's something wrong with that. We're saying that you know there's a lot of uh, young people who don't have the typical family, and that that typical family, if you're within an atypical family, that that love is no less uh, in the ways in which you find it. Um, 
that theme of finding love in un- unexpected places and finding family in unexpected places um, is definitely their constructs. Um, not having to live within a, a certain way uh, that you know historically uh, our culture will define uh, young girls um, and even young boys, and that that exploration is is uh, embedded within the uh, within the film and the story itself. I can only apologize for this, but the film comes to Omaha the big screen in Omaha this weekend uh, after we're recording. I I know it's more broadly available, but I have yet to see the film. Um, So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, But uh, someone here at the radio station has seen it. And uh, I have to confess to you that I am a sucker for happy endings. And uh, she said that this doesn't have a happy ending. (laughs) That's what she told me. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. You're clearly, yeah, that's not what you think. I'm very surprised. Um, <laughs> well, I think both of you should come to the screening so we can talk about that a little bit more. Um, because, I mean, I think that that's interesting. And, like, I think that's also what's kind of great about film, right, is that different people looking at the same thing can have the, have a different response. You know, for, for me, I feel like it does have a happy ending. It has a very promising ending, Um but, you know, we've also experienced where people are like, they want to know what happens next. And probably maybe that is what is unsatisfying to to your colleague that it didn't feel like it was a, a happy ending. But, you know, we would have to talk about that more to kind of explore. But that, that does excite me, you know, like that's kind of like, that's the jam, you know. It's like the way in which films create dialogue to have... And, and what that dialogue does in terms of engaging our, um, our, our social norms, our political thoughts, and, uh, and, our, and our artistic endeavors, you know, on, on a very um, rudimentary level. Is it enough for you to produce these creative works that themselves present to a larger audience some expression of the human condition that enables people then to reflect upon, consider these social justice themes, and then maybe be called to action in some way. Is is that enough for you, or do you also want to be a part of the ongoing conversation? You want to be in those spaces where people are discussing the themes and, and how they can then take action. I love both sides. I think that I can, you know, I have the um, power to allow the work and the art to speak for itself and allow those conversations to happen wherever they're going to happen organically um, and believe in, you know, the way in which the universe will guide all of us in, in having those conversations. But I also, you know, really love being a part of those uh, conversations and and seeing the impact uh, that the film has, and you know, and not assuming that it's going to have you know a positive, glowing impact, but that you know whatever the impact is, um, and knowing that it can it can live uh, uh, very powerfully within a uh, within a positive construct or a negative construct, depending on how that um, conversation. Um, 
allows the people uh, to engage with each other. You know, it's about community building. Art, you know, in, influences uh, uh, culture and transforms culture. And um, that uh, the, the power of engagement is, is everything to me. Uh, you know, I, I come from a social justice background. I, you know, I was an activist and, and still consider myself an activist. And so this type of filmmaking was a, allowed me to kind of marry two things that I love uh, and, and do things in, in a non-traditional kind of filmmaking way, if you will, uh, to allow me to find uh, satisfaction on, on both sides of the aisle. And uh, that is amazing to me and, and inspiring to me uh, always, you know, so um, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned your background, which feels like a good segue to ask you. Well, first, let me ask you, you have some family connection in Omaha, I understand? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I grew up in Omaha, uh, and quite as it's kept, I was born and back in England. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and, um, and I think we got to Omaha when I was about five, and was there for about 20 years. I mean, I graduated from high school um, from there and um, left, uh, I think I was about 23, 24. Um, and so my brother and uh, nieces and nephews are still there. And, um, so tell me, about, uh, tell me about the circumstances of, uh, of your birth. My mom is of, uh, from Guyana, South America, uh, and immigrated to London, I believe, in the 50s. Um, and my father was a GI uh, from the States, and they met on a blind date um, by way of my godmother. And uh, did I say the rest is history at this point? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, and and did I did I hear correctly? You said you were born in uh, Beckenham, on the outskirts of London, um, and so you lived there until you were five, and and then did the family relocate to Omaha, or did you already have some other? Did your family have some connections here already? Um, so we actually left when I was two uh, and went to to California. My dad was in the Air Force. Uh, so he, um, after Vietnam, was stationed at the Strategic Air Command. Um, and also his parents, my grandparents, lived in Omaha at the time. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely the, the Air Force had, had brought us there. But I think he also wanted to go back and hang out with Grandma and Grandpa. I often get curious about why people are shaped as they are and 
whether one thinks in terms of genetics or, or one's experiences in the world and, and the nurture versus nature discussion, I am curious about what was your childhood like, and especially those formative years as you, as you move through your teens. And I'm curious about that because I'm wondering what it is that calls you to be so vested in issues of social justice. So, so yeah, so tell me a little bit about your upbringing. As uh, an African-American in Nebraska, I was clearly a, a minority um, and, uh, you know, went to a, a predominantly all-white high school where I graduated from. Uh, and, and it was always uh, a matter of my, my mom wanting to make sure that I knew a broad swath of community. Um, and she also involved herself in a lot of different uh, communities. Um, and, and so there was a large um, African community uh, in Nebraska with, uh, that was going to the medical center. And so I actually grew up uh, on a lot of um, Fela, uh, and, uh, who is a very political African singer. Um, she was a member of the National Council on Jewish Women. I'm not sure if that, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, and so engaging uh, within different religious constructs and understanding, um, you know, people being different and the struggles of different people and where, you know, I was taught about, the, you know, my power uh, and the ability to use my voice not only to help myself but to help others. Um, and so I think that, you know, that's certainly where, where the, the foundation um, lie. And when I came out as a lesbian, by that time I was, I was living in California, but I had not been very political. Um, and uh, I wanted to, to know and I wanted to learn. Uh, and so I, you know, became, um, I founded an organization in New York after I moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, and really a lot of my political beginnings and activist beginnings um, really took off uh, from, from, uh, from there. Were there moments in your, in your life where you felt as if somehow you were, you were other or different or being discriminated against in a way that made you realize this is not something I will tolerate in the society around me? And maybe that pushed you to uh, being diligent and attentive to tackling that. When I walk, when I where I am, who I am, that is the label that I wear, simply by nature of um, being a person of color in, in the United States. Um, so, you know, worrying about how I'm being perceived when I walk into a store, how I'm being perceived uh, when I get pulled over by the police how I'm being uh, perceived when I walk down the street. Microaggressions are there. Um, and uh, this isn't, you know, this isn't against men or it's against uh, white people. You know, I think that we always have to recognize 
that what we are trying to do or what I'm trying to do is, um, as, as a member of, of a community, a larger community of people who I know and people who I don't know, uh, that we're trying to create a, a, a world in which the universality of our humanity is at, at the center of how we treat each other. Um, and that, uh, you know, hopefully at some point that breaks the color barrier. wondering about how other people encounter your work. So you live in uh, Brooklyn now. You, you've lived on the West Coast. You've lived, though, in all sorts of diverse and different places, uh, not least, for example, the Midwest. And I'm wondering, because you've experienced life in different environments, some cosmopolitan and some less so, do you find that people in varied communities encounter the subject matter of your work in for you, ways that are unexpected and different and um, perhaps surprising? I, I don't think that I'm surprised. I think that you find um, like people all across um, the land, and you, will, you can find the people who are unlike you right in your own community uh, and in, in, your, uh, in your safe space. Um, and I, I think it's also important to say, um, you know, growing up in Nebraska as a, as a young girl of color, I had a, um, a very, um, uh, I don't know if good experience is the way to describe it, but what, I, what I'm wanting to say is that I really, really learned about segregation when I moved to New York. New York is... It's known as the nasty part of the world. It's also one of the most segregated places that I've ever been. Um, and I, I didn't expect that. You know, I didn't expect that as, as, a, as a young woman uh, who grew up in Nebraska coming to New York. I thought, you know, everyone lived together and was in harmony. And, you know, not, not, I mean, harmony is, is a bit naive, but I certainly didn't expect to kind of see the type of segregation that I saw when I when I came here, um, and that uh, when I go home, when I and uh, when I I'm talking about Omaha here, you know, I feel less like I'm being watched when I go into stores than I do when I'm in New York. But you know, if you talk to you know someone from New York, or, or you know, their assumption of what they think Middle America is not from an experience, but from what they think it is. And, you know, 
I know that that's not correct. I also know that it's not just one sweeping answer, right? Like, there are places I could walk into in Nebraska, and that could be the case. Um, but, you know... You know, one of, one of the elements of your bio references how you work in community with filmmakers, activists, and philanthropists, which suggests a high degree of collaboration across endeavors and across sectors. It seems to me that your diversity of world experience and viewpoints no doubt informs that collaboration. What does that collaboration look like for you? Collaboration for me is about openness, about being able to uh, contribute, but also being able to to receive. Um, I think that the way in which I am a good artist and the way in which I'm a good producer is to be able to actually hear people without having the agenda of me wanting to talk next. Um, I think <laughs> we often... Uh, we're just always waiting for the next person to stop talking so that we can say something as opposed to actually hearing them. Uh, and so my collaboration is very much about being able to actually listen and to support people where they are and to be able to um, find that work together. And, 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 you know, in that way, like in which first match was an exploration and we we came onto a story because of the research that we did and was able to hear have those kinds of themes around, you know, finding family in unexpected places and um, the ways in which, you know, uh, gender equity is found uh, in a mostly male-dominated sport. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that, at the core of my collaboration is, is just really being able to to be open to the process and being able to listen um, and then, uh, you know, offering my contribution as, as a result of what is um, kind of showing itself to me on the table. How did some of your other projects come to fruition from being seeded to, to flowering, as it were? So I know from your bio, for example, you've mentioned work with um, the Novo Foundation, uh, Women's March, also uh, around indigenous peoples as well. I guess what I'm asking is, do, do these projects sort of emerge from this collaboration? Or, or do you have in mind there is a, a, a topic, a social justice issue you really want to tackle, so you go looking for a human narrative that, that can maybe be given artistic format? Um, maybe talk about some of those other projects you've done and, and how they've come to be. Mm-hmm. I want to say uh, to any filmmakers that are, that are listening um, that, you know, we always have to be willing, uh, especially when you're first starting, to do things uh, either for free or for barter in support of a of a young artist or an older artist in which you believe in their work or in their voice, um, because you never know uh, where your blessings will come from. That is very much part of my story in in working. Uh, with different organizations, volunteer work or activists, uh, you know, kind of being at the same uh, protest, um, 
or working on spec work and engaging with um, um, other um, artists or um, activist types that had other connections and them knowing the type of work I'm doing and connecting me to uh, different organizations. Um, but it's definitely, I, I, I believe that all of the, the work that I do, whether it's paid or unpaid, is through relationships and through um, uh, uh, connecting with people, not only through film, but, you know, through activism and through community um, that has kind of really allowed me to do the kind of work that I've, I've wanted to do. And, and how did you get involved then in, in, for example, the Indigenous people artistic endeavors? Mm -hmm. That particular um, work started uh, from working with um, another uh, filmmaker uh, friend of mine. We actually went to school together um, who uh, asked me to field produce for MTV and a um, uh, docu-series. first pilot episode was about um, young indigenous musicians who uh, use uh, their own politics to forward um, uh, the um, plight of their people and to bring attention to uh, what's happening in their communities. Um, and because I... Uh, and was active um, within the different political organizations, uh, my friend thought I would be a good fit for that gig, and uh, it ended up being a pretty amazing gig, and that's kind of what then led uh, to work to working at the White House um, with uh, President Obama's uh, Indigenous uh, Youth Conference. They all kind of build on one another, which is kind of amazing. Good morning, world. Hello. Starting at the beginning in a history of pain. It's hard to realize a dream I fantasized for so long. Suddenly my position turns around within a day. A transformation. company Creative Bionics on the website you describe it as a bad and female centric and uh, with that ethos in mind and given the social issues you're endeavoring to transform positively I wonder and you use the word allies earlier so I'm I'm a white man and I'm I'm wondering what role if any do you see for 
men, white men, in, in your endeavors? Or what message do you perhaps wish we would discover? I, I work with a lot of white men, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can you not? <laughs> uh, I, you know, yes, I, I recognize people as allies um, who are also looking for gender equity, who also uh, want uh, violence against women to uh, be a thing of the past, who also um, are working towards... Um, uh, you know, eradicating xenophobia and homophobia. And, and I think that there's a lot of uh, non-people of color out there that, you know, that we're able to work with. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that sometimes when uh, to look at that is not, to, is not to, to discriminate the other way. Um, it is it, it can be all-encompassing in the same way in which, you know, uh, the, the term man is supposed to be all-encompassing for all of us. Uh, the, the bad female-centric can be all-encompassing for, for everybody as well. I also love on your website that uh, for Creative Bionics that you address heady issues of discrimination and inequity, but that your mission also includes having fun. Um, so I have to ask, how, how does that show up for you? Uh, it shows up every day. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we have to be able to kind of be, be mobile is not what I'm looking for, but like uh, if we're transforming ourselves, we have to be able to move quickly and, 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 uh, and understand what's going on around us. And, and there's a lot of difficult things um, I think I'm going off the wrong way, but uh, what I mean by that is that, like, there, even with these very serious subjects, there is a lot of fun to be had by the relationships that we um, in, are developing in order to do the work, uh, and that um, and that we couldn't survive if if doing this work that we couldn't find that sense of um, uh, fun and community that engages us to um, uh, push ourselves to have our voices recognized. You know, as, as people, we remember the people who make us laugh. Um, and, uh, and within the work, you know, even if it's not funny, if it's coming from a, a loving place that is touching people and it's engaging, uh, you know, the way in which fun is defined you know, isn't just ha ha ha, and like you know, it it has a lot of different connotations. I think, and um, along with ha ha ha, and um, and so it 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 can propel us to do um, an amazing breadth of work because um, of the inspiration that that togetherness, that fun can can uh, lead us along. Well, I have to say, I am a firm believer in the value of play and of fun and of laughter. I have to say it's been a real pleasure to be in conversation with you, Chanel. And uh, so I just want to say thank you, Chanel, for being a guest on the show today. Thank you so much, Stuart, uh, for asking me and, and giving me the opportunity to 
connect with you and uh, your listeners. And um, I do hope that everybody who can to come out to the screening on uh, February 23rd, it's free. Uh, and I think, you know, there'll be some, some good conversation and, um, and fun. You must be very, um, not only must you be proud to come back here and, and to show this feature film, but also a South by Southwest audience and Lunar Game Changer award winner. So we, it's a big deal. We know that already. And we know it's great quality with an important message. But this must be especially sweet for you. And I wonder if it's going to be really sweet for your family as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, my brother has, I think, has told everybody uh, in his uh, Rolodex and every neighbor's Rolodex. Um, so, uh, well, Screams is amazing as an art house cinema. I think it's one of the best art house cinemas in, in the nation, and they've done incredible, incredible work uh, to bring uh, some amazing film programming uh, uh, to Omaha. Uh, so it's something definitely to be to be cherished and to uh, uh, be in community with and support uh, at every turn because uh, it's 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 so important uh, to to the culture and to the um, filmmaking uh, community um, as well. Live's radio show is supported by Humanities Nebraska, inspiring and enriching personal and public life by delivering opportunities to engage thoughtfully with history and culture. Learn more at humanitiesnebraska.org. I've been in conversation with Chanel Elaine, the producer of the feature film First Match, the winner of the South by Southwest Audience and Lunar Game Changer Awards. Thank you so much, Stuart. That's the end of this week's show. The magnificent Marion Fay helped produce the show. Lives is an executive production of Squish Talks. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden. Join me next week for more community, conversation, and the people that bring community to life. <laughs>